Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table, where on this podcast, I try very hard to bring you just a variety of people who are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and people who have just a spark of that entrepreneurship inside of them. Even if they have a regular job, they still want to be entrepreneurial, or as they say, intrapreneurial in that job. And the idea behind this is we have really cool conversations, like we're sitting in a bar having a beer. And both me and you have the chance to learn so much from the guests that we have. So whether this, you've been like 335 episodes of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, or this is your first one, today you are in for a treat because my friend Erin Gargan is joining us. Now, she's an author and a speaker and a serial entrepreneur. She's an expert in sales and marketing, and she has worked with some amazing brands. I, before we got on the line, I decided to look up like her bio on her website, which is erinngargan.com, and it said that she has been hired by the Oscars and by Disney and by you know all kinds of groups and people you've heard of and famous people, and yet when you do sit in the bar with her and have a glass of wine, she's about one of the coolest people who you can hang out with. And I know this firsthand because we did that last week. So Erin Gargan, <laughs> welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks, Tom. We should have scheduled this a little later in the day so we could have had a glass of wine <laughs> during our podcast. You know, I don't think I've ever done that in 335 plus episodes. I don't think I've ever actually done that. How funny. I haven't thought that one through. Next time. <laughs> Next time. There you go. Aaron, I mean, one of the things, though, that I'm so excited to have you on the show is because you, you, you really have done so many things. One of the things I learned about you that is so awesome is I, you said you lived in Southern California, that you lived in the Laguna area. And, you know, you'd grown up in Baltimore. And I asked you, I go, oh, I'd grown up in Southern California. Why would you move out there? And you looked at me and you said, because I surf. And I was like, well, <laughs> duh. So you're kind of what I would call a renaissance woman, right? I mean, you do all these things and you just pick up and move because the surf's up. So I don't do really big bios, obviously. Why don't you tell everyone who's listening, who is Erin Gargan and what makes you cool? Oh, my gosh. I don't know about all that. But uh, I will say that part of what inspired me to be an entrepreneur is I look around me and I see kind of two types of people. I see the surfers in Southern California that are kind of chilling, you know, not really changing the world, but like catching sick barrels, right? And then I see the other side of my network, which are people working on Wall Street and for the big Fortune 100s that are quasi-suicidal because they are working their butts off and they have no time to even breathe. And so I was just curious, I wonder if I could do a nice little hybrid nice. of those two lifestyles. Nice. <laughs> like, can I work hard and still have fun? And so that was kind of what inspired me to, to start my first company uh, when I was 25 with a girlfriend. We uh, built websites for companies and we managed to, we rented one of those offices by the hour and we may have not corrected the person when they thought it was actually our office because we were just getting started, right? <laughs> and uh, we managed to land like Whole Foods and Linksys and Black and & Decker and build websites for them. Um, so that's my first company. I ended up selling that to uh, my friend Danielle for $6,000. Well, uh, that's a good start. <laughs> that's I, what we call yeah. a foundation. 
<laughs> I mean, people are always like, I sold my business. I'm like, oh yeah, how much? <laughs> you know. Um, but so she still runs Jump Digital Media. It's a great lifestyle business for her. You know, she has a bunch of kids. Um, that was a great first venture. From there, uh, I raised a couple million bucks to launch PMS.com. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. PMS.com. PMS. What is PMS.com? Do I dare ask? <laughs> we, we, we decided to create um, something called PMS.com. It was a dollar shave club type model for women's hygiene. So we rate, got 20,000 people to subscribe, women to subscribe. And we were featured in Forbes and they called us the tampon fairies. Nice. So that was a great business. Um, that one I did make money on when I sold, which was really cool. <laughs> and then since 2010, I've had my own social media agency called Socialite. And we specialize in social media for large conferences, events, and trade shows for all different industries. And uh, we run around like little social media journalists, you know, kind of putting a microphone and a spotlight around some of the world's biggest events. And then I speak and I write, which is my kind of iteration from all these experiences. Um, and my new book just came out. So what's the new book? On. What's the new book called? My new book is called Digital Persuasion, nice. Sell Smarter in the Modern Marketplace. That is awesome. And that's available Amazon and all the places where people find books. You know it. That is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. so what do you think led you to be an entrepreneur? I mean, you were pretty young if you started your first business at 25. I mean, you know, did you, did you always have that desire? Did you have a job right after college in, in corporate America? What, what was that little transition like? So my... I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. Uh, my dad worked for the same company for 30 years before he retired or 35 years, been married to my mom for 30 years. You know, if he goes to get ice cream and there's 31 flavors, he gets vanilla. You know, he's an awesome <laughs> guy. You just, you know, he's always there for you, but there's no surprises, right? He's an awesome guy. Um, so, so does he so ask I, you all the time? So Aaron, when are you going to get a real job? All the time. <laughs> Every Christmas I come home and, you know, he says, this is our, this is our son, Brian. He works for Google. And this is our, our daughter, Shannon. She works for Wedding Wire. And this is our, our daughter, Aaron, um, Shannon, Aaron, and, uh, Aaron, um, Surfs. Aaron, why don't you, you, you tell him, you tell him what you do. It's kind of confusing, you know, <laughs> it's like the, the typical entrepreneurial thing where your parents are like, huh? Um, but, uh, but yeah, what, what really got me excited about starting my own company, um, I started off doing uh, 100% commission sales for a local TV station in Baltimore City, which was kind of like Anchorman meets The Wire, if that gives you a visual <laughs> of what it was like. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And from there, uh, I moved into selling uh, software for a company that was kind of like an early days LinkedIn. They were very much on the cutting edge of social media. That was 2004. And uh, we were kind of like a match.com for trade shows. So we'd match up exhibitors and attendees before trade shows and get them to schedule meetings. And then LinkedIn came out and that kind of wiped us out. Um, and anyway, so I had a job for a very short period of time where I was selling websites. And I was into the job about a week and I had a total luck out moment. It was a Friday morning. And this woman came in who owned a staffing agency in Orange County. We ended up hitting it off. And it was my first week. She ended up buying a $100,000 website project from us on my first week. So just total rookie luck. You know, we just ended up chatting, whatever. So the guys who ran this place were like, they, they're supposed to pay you a commission, right? Like 20% of the, of the whole project. So they're <laughs> That's a good like, week. I'm gonna, yeah. So they're like, I'm going to stroke this check for 20 grand to this like 24-year-old chick who is like five seconds out of college. And so they tried to pull this move where they decided to say, oh, well, you know, Aaron, what a great start. We're so glad to have you. But, you know, technically, 
you're still kind of in training here at our company. And we tried to wiggle out of the commission. And in that moment, I was like, nope, I'm not letting anyone in charge of my success anymore. So I stuck it out there for a couple more did you months. Get, did you gal- get the commission? No, oh, I didn't. Oh, I hate and, them already. Yeah. And so the gal, Danielle, uh, and I, who also worked there, we realized, you know, we're bringing in a lot of revenue for these guys. So we pieced out and started our own company. We just we, we called it Jump Digital Media because we just jumped ship. And uh, from there, <laughs> I haven't looked back. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. So now that you've been doing this for, for a while, what do you love about the entrepreneurial lifestyle that you've created? Oh, I just love how you're never bored. You know, and you know this, Tom. I mean, it's no two days are the same, and it's just so exciting um, to always have a new challenge and try to figure things out and create things and and help people. And I mean, I think really, if we're all being honest, the best part is everyone that you know is like totally jealous of you. I mean, just having everyone jealous of you is the best. I think. <laughs> well, it is. It is true, and sometimes they like invent things in their head where they think you're way more yeah. successful than you are. Yeah. You know, and that always kind of cracks me up too because I have friends who think you know, like I'm clearing a million dollars a year and I'm like, you know, what tax return are you looking at? But, (laughs) but it's like, you know, I, you know, if they want to think I'm more successful than I am, I guess they can, but, uh, but I think they're jealous. Yeah, it's fun. And, and, you know, it's kind of like life and work. It all kind of blends together. You know, we don't have those we're on, we're we're at work or we're off work. You know, it's just all a big, we're just living. And that's so cool, you know? Well, I, I, a couple years ago, I, I, I hosted the simulcast for the National Speakers Association uh, meeting. So, you know, a lot of conferences will simulcast online for members who can't come to the event. They pay a nominal fee, but they can see everything. And uh, I have a little side business with a woman named Eliz Green. We call it the conference talk show. And we actually serve as like the, the talk show during the, the coffee break. So the people at home aren't left with a sign that says we'll be back in 45 minutes. We yeah. actually we actually interview the speakers and we interview people who are roaming the halls. And one time, one of the keynote speakers didn't show up and we kind of had dead air and my daughter was walking by and she's a teenager at the time. She's like 17 or 18 years old. And I'm like, hey, Jackie, come here. And I'm, she's not the type who wants the camera. And I made her sit down in the chair and I'm like, so why don't you tell the audience at home? And I'm just totally riffing. And I'm like, <laughs> what's it like to be the child of a professional speaker? And she looks <laughs> without missing a beat. She looks in the camera and she goes, well. You're gone a lot. And I thought, oh, my God, we're just going to throw me into the bus for 100 days a year travel or whatever. She's like, but, you know, when you're home, you're home more than my friend's parents who have a job. Because when you're home, you could come meet me for lunch or you could pick me up after school or, you know, whatever. And it was like she was talking about the positives of, yeah, I was gone 100 days. But the 260 days I was home, I was more present. And that's right. You know, I think that's time. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the thing is people see us, you know, on Facebook or whatever. And it's like, oh, you're staying at a resort and you're you're speaking at this thing. But the reality is when you're home, you also have sort of that free time to to be present with the rest of the people. And that's so well said. And it it, it really is a testament to our families as well um, to have the right partner in this journey. You know, my husband uh, jokes around. He's like, I'm going to write a book about what it's like to be married to someone who's writing a book. (laughs) (laughs) How meta. That's really good. I like that. I know. Because, you know, like no one sees, like I have um, my book signing party on Thursday here in Laguna Beach and all my friends are coming and there's champagne and press. It's this whole thing. And everyone just sees the glam side, right? No one sees it for two years. You're throwing post-it notes crumpled up across the wall and just you know <laughs> drinking cheap wine and like crying and scratching things out and quitting and starting over and they just don't see all the the backstory like you said so well, um my first book nice when they're jealous my first book <laughs> my daughter kate was one of these babies who never slept like she was up at four in the morning for good mm. like ba-bam hello world i'm here 
Oh and my gosh. So I would get up with her at that time and I'd walk her around and give her a bottle. And then like at 445, she'd fall asleep. But now I'm wide awake and I've got an hour and a half yeah. before I had to go to work. That's oh when gosh. I wrote my book. I mean, I joked that I never would have written my first book if Kate had been a sleeper oh. because I wouldn't have had that hour and a half every morning. And so, yeah. yeah, the glamour of getting woke up at four in the morning and not being able to go back to sleep. So you're like, eh, I'll write a book. But that's why you're successful because you took a situation and you're like, how can I maximize what I'm dealing with? You know, <laughs> adapt, improvise, overcome. It's perfect. So what advice do you have to someone who's listening to this? Because a lot of people who listen to my show will email me and they'll say, you know, I, I, I'm fed up. My ladder's against the wrong wall or, you know, I don't like my boss. I need to start my own thing or they're trying to cheat me out of this commission and I'm going to I'm going to jump. What advice do you have for somebody who wants to create their own path? Be brave enough to make really tough decisions. Um, my agency, Socialite, has been around since 2010. And I joke around that we're on uh, version 5.0 of Socialite Agency. Um, so version 2.0 of Socialite Agency, I had 15 employees. I had the Ocean View office, you know, all on W2. I had crazy overhead. And we had put all of our eggs in one basket, essentially, as far as revenue. One of our biggest clients, you probably have one of their credit cards in your wallet right now, was about 70% of our revenue. And everyone, all my mentors warned me, you know, gotta be careful, make sure you, you know, spread it around, get, you know, people from all different places. And I'm like, oh, these guys are good, we're good, whatever, arrogant, we're throwing parties, we're having bands. You know, I thought it was like Wolf of Wall Street, right? So um, we end up, of course, losing the big client. And in that moment, I remember I was just... I was trying to figure out how to make payroll. You know, two of my employees had kids and I was just in the shower and I was washing my hair and like clumps of hair were just like coming out of my hands and I was like hyperventilating and I was just like, I can't keep all this together. And so I remember sitting down with my husband and he's like, you just need to make some tough choices. And I'm like, I can't fire people. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. He's like, you have to, or, or the whole thing is going to fold. And so I made the decision to fire like two thirds of my staff. We bailed on the lease. I took my home and I converted it into an office, like like art off the wall, whiteboards on the wall. We took our guest room, put all the furniture down in the garage, put a conference table in the guest room. I mean, everything went downstairs and six desks were now in our family room and everyone moved in for work on Monday, whoever was left. And we just started over. We just scrapped what we were doing and, and just went Full, you know, bootstrap style, and we reinvented. Now we're profitable, and now it works. But having the courage to say, you know what, I just can't keep going the way it is, and I'm sorry if your feelings are hurt, and I'm sorry if this isn't what you wanted. But sometimes you just have to cut your losses and fail fast and reinvent as fast as you can. Um, and then also ask yourself why you want to do it. You know, because like I said, I started off doing this because I wanted to surf at lunch, and all of a sudden I realized <laughs> I haven't surfed in three months, and. Um, <laughs> stressed out and I'm not having fun and I'm not fun to be around. And so it's kind of like reminding yourself why you're doing this. You know, I wanted to do it so I could have fun, help people and make money. And so constantly I have that on my wall. It's have fun, help people make money. Those are my three big post-its on my desk in my office. And so I'm, whenever I start to feel a little unbalanced, I kind of check in. It's like, are we having fun? Are we helping people? Are we making money? And when one of those is no, it's time to reevaluate, you know? So... Have fun. I want to re I'm writing that down because I'm going to put stickies on my wall. What was that again? Yeah. Have fun, help people <laughs> and make money. I in, like in doing that, all three. I like doing all three of those things. Yeah, but some people don't need to have people have different fun meters, right? Like some people kind of like to be really stressed out. Some people like being busy. Some people like to brag about being busy. I don't. I, I, I like to 
go snowboarding and go mountain biking and have wine with friends at four o'clock on a Friday. And I just, I enjoy working and, and helping people. And I like to work really hard, but I also like to have a good time too. Like life's short. So, but some people aren't like that. So maybe your priorities are different, but just making sure you know what they are and you're clear on your why. Well, and for me, the have fun part, I mean, somebody asked me one time, what's my hobby? I said, this sounds horrible, but my hobby is being a professional speaker. Oh, it's also my job. And so I, I really like what I do. So, I mean, you know, for me, I'm having fun when I, when I get to speak and I do like to help people and I do like to make money. So they all sort of fit together that when, when, Perfect. I'm, when I'm speaking, all three are happening at once. The rest of the time is, is just the downtime. Now you yeah. brought up, you brought up something very interesting. You said you had to let people go. You had to leave your leash. Yeah. You had to do all this stuff. You moved the remaining people into your house, which t- leads mm-hmm. me to believe your husband is a supportive guy. Because you took art off the wall and put up whiteboards. That doesn't happen for everybody. He, he was a very support. He was his idea. He was like, listen, you need to make some tough choices. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't. He's like, you have to. So he called the moving truck. He helped us. You know, he 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 has a he works in venture capital. So he knew some some lawyers. And, you know, they helped me wiggle out of this lease without getting sued and just, you know, all this stuff. And, and he just had me take a hard look, too, at... I think, you know, the numbers of a business is a really important thing. People don't really think about the fact that they think about how much money they can bring in. Like, okay, well, I can make, you know, 20 grand a month, then times 12, I'll be making, but people forget to look at, you know, what it costs, the expenses. And a big lesson that you learn as an entrepreneur and everyone listening to this podcast or anyone that owns a business knows this is the biggest decision and the tough decision you have to make is between the nice to haves and the need to haves. Like it's a constant nice to have versus need to have. And the thing that's funny is you have these choices, whether it's resources or travel or software or technology. And sometimes you look around like you almost like want a boss. Like what's the right answer here? But then you're like, wait, I'm the boss. I have to decide if it's a nice to have or a need to have, right? Someone called me the other day and said, would you be interested in this job with this association kind of running this part of it? Because we think you're perfect. And I said, for one second, I said, well, of course I'll talk to you. And then I'm like, no, I won't. Wait a minute. But there was that one minute that thought a boss, a boss would be so awesome because they would deal with all the BS. Yeah, it's like the days that you're kind of slacking off, maybe like a Friday you take off and you have a fun day. And even though you're off, you kind of have that guilty feeling in the back of your mind, like you should be working. You know, it's so hard to, you're almost like making excuses to yourself. You know, you're calling in sick to your own mind. (laughs) That's right. Don't tell myself I'm not really sick. (laughs) Yeah, playing hooky. (laughs) That's right. So I talk to people a lot about sort of this gap that exists for Mm -hmm. not just entrepreneurs, but for everybody Mm -hmm. between potential because I think everybody we meet, I mean, I try to look for the potential in everybody. I mentor a couple of people and I always see yeah. the potential that they have. But there's a gap between potential and results. So you've been successful and, and your, your husband's a venture capitalist. So you've seen a lot of successes and failures. What do you think contributes to people being able to move farther across that gap than others? There's a great book that I read that answered that question for me. It's called The Startup Owner's Manual. And it's a big, intimidating-looking textbook-style, doorstop-sized book. And when I read that book, it helped me understand the difference between potential of an idea and the reality of a results-driven, profitable business. And essentially, if I had to boil down the whole book into a tweet, here's what it is. The key to moving from what's possible to the reality of success is testing a small idea first. So dipping a toe in the water. So this, I'm off the tweet now, obviously, but dipping a toe in the water, right? <laughs> well, they've testing, doubled the, they've doubled the amount of characters. Actually, so who right, knows? Going. Thank you. <laughs> testing a small idea first to 
to assess its viability, to assess its profitability, to assess is it a need? Because there's so many great ideas people don't need. You know, you look at at the greatest startups in the world, they solved a real problem. And I've heard, I've listened in all these incredible conference calls that my husband and his partners listen to people pitch all the time. It's like real life Shark Tank. <laughs> so I've heard every idea you can think of and it's so fun to listen. But most people are like, it's such a cool idea. But it's like, do you have any customers? Do you have three people that are banging down your door and, and have given you money for this? And because we just don't know what people need. Um, you know, and so the biggest thing you can do is to, can you find three people that have paid you for this idea before? And then that's in my mind, you have enough data points to now go from what's possible to launching a reality. So can you find three people that you test the idea on, they're willing to pay for it and they've gotten a result? Because if you can find three, you can probably find 300. But a lot of people just skip that. And especially um, a lot of the millennial <laughs> founders these days and all of the sexy, glamorous Silicon Valley startup stories, right? Like some guy invents a checker app and now he's a billionaire, right? <laughs> and they just they just want to raise capital and get the sick office and have a ping pong table and drink beer on Friday and figure out the whole monetization part later. Even Twitter, speaking of Twitter, right? They're just becoming profitable. So the idea is, can you, you have an idea, there's a possibility there, but can you really just try it to market? You don't spend any money at all. You can do it on the side of your job. Just test it out. Like you, like you said, you know, when your kid goes to bed and you have an hour and a half and you, before you go to work or, you know, after work, just try things on a very small scale before you fully leap. And it just saves you so much heartache. And it's just <laughs> the way to really predict if it's going to be viable and you're, if you're going to see results. No, I think that's, I think that's awesome. So Aaron, I'm not going to let you go yet. There's so many more questions I've got to ask, <laughs> but, but first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Aaron Gargan. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do because I get those emails, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this program. So Aaron, I call this program Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. <laughs> What's the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? Ooh, Tom, we're speaking of uh, Silicon Valley people who build ridiculous checker building apps, we're building an app. Nice. <laughs> um, so I I've been uh, working on a top secret technology that Shh. my goal is to be able to roll this out so that I, I'm a keynote speaker on the art of digital persuasion. So I speak to mostly sales organizations and I give them this formula for how they can become a more persuasive digital communicator from behind the screen. And I give them these three things they need to do. And it sounds great and they get all jazzed up and it's pretty easy, but then they go away and they have to just remember to do it. So I'm building this platform that will ideally be able to lay over what they're doing and there'll be little reminders and prompts and motivation nice. and triggers to help nice. them really implement and walk the walk. So my, my hope is that it will roll out into a multi-billion dollar software enterprise and I'll just collect those subscription revenues every month and, when, and when, build it into a bigger business. When you're down surfing the wedge, you can just check your bank account. 
That's right. That's right. So yeah, I mean, because that's the thing as speakers, you know, and you know this, how can we move away from the one and done and and really build an ongoing revenue stream that is paying us when we are surfing or snowboarding or being with family or, you know, or enjoying time with friends. So I'm working on it. I can't tell you much more than that, but it's gonna, if it works, it's going to be pretty cool. Well, well, we'll have you back on the show when it launches. Just call cool. me and we'll come back and we'll have a whole new discussion about Aaron, <laughs> Aaron's app world. Yay, that sounds awesome. Hey, so really quick, what everybody wants to know is where's the best surfing site in Southern California? Ooh, I have to go San Onofre, Ooh, also nice. known as no- Old Man's. Nothing, because- nothing like surfing next to a nuclear power plant. <laughs> you may grow a third eye, but you will catch some sick long barrels. <laughs> well, that's, that is, I'm sure, what everybody was most concerned about. So, <laughs> so we could talk about Aaron and all the cool things you're doing. And, and, and I do like the fact, and I'm just going to share this, you met your husband on a hike in the mountains of, around Laguna. I think that's pretty cool, too. Yes, we did. Um, he's a, I call him a fancy redneck. He's from uh, Alabama. So he likes to hunt and shoot and do all these uh, very Southern things. So he's also obviously um, a perfect gentleman, um, but he's also a really smart guy. He's traveled the world. He's invested in really cool companies. And it's, it's, you know, it's really nice in, in our line of work to have a partner that understands the entrepreneurial challenges that you face and can guide you um, with kind of the things that maybe aren't your strengths, you know, because kind of knowing what you're really strong at doing. I never forget one time um, I was really frustrated with trying to manage contractors and he's like, you know what you are? He's like, you're not a CEO. You're just a salesperson. And I got so mad and we got in the <laughs> biggest fight ever. And it was funny because what he was trying to say is like, look, operations is not your strength. What you are is you're good at inspiring people and getting them pumped. And ultimately that's how my speaking career began as I was like, you know, that is what I really enjoy and that is what I am better at doing. So why don't I focus more on that? And so I hired someone that now is the operating director of my agency and I bring in the business and I talk about it and she just picks up the deals and implements and manages people and life is a lot easier. So knowing your strength and and not being afraid to delegate things that maybe aren't what you're best at doing is one thing he really did teach me. So well, that, that's great. So I do like it when people come on the show, though, talking about them and their lives and their business. Yeah. But I also think that entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask everyone who comes on the show, who's someone out there who you see? Where you think that person's doing the cool stuff? Gosh, there's so many. And particularly, there's so many women founders that are launching really great companies right now. Um, VC we, Money. I got to jump right in. The last few episodes, we have had some great, go back like two weeks and listen. If I you saw that heard, on your, yeah. yeah we have had some iTunes. amazing women on this show in the last few episodes. I mean, there's been some amazing men as well, but you got to go back and single out those episodes where we've had women on in the last month because some of them are just phenomenal. So They're dynamos. And, and you know, I am I identify as a feminist who loves men because I think it takes both. I think the strengths and weaknesses of both genders um, are so important for any venture. Um, but it is great to also see, and it is also great to see that so much money is pouring into these female-led startups to solve problems that, you know, the reality is, like, let's and 5% of VCs are, are women. And so, of course, if you're sitting at a board table and someone's pitching you an idea and you don't personally understand those challenges, of course, you're not going to get it. I mean, it just makes sense, right? So it's really cool to see a lot of women coming out solving problems um, and not necessarily just health, beauty, childcare, fitness, um, you know, the unique healthcare challenges that we face as women, you know, people are coming out and inventing the next generation of Sarah Blakely's that are doing the next version of Spanx and comfy bras and stuff that dudes are just like, okay, if that, if women want this, let's, let's, let's build it. Right. But, um, one woman who's building something, um, that's pretty incredible. Her name's Alice Zhang. She was recently named, um, I think she was like one of the Forbes 30 under 30 or something, which 
she's one of those people where you read her bio and you think you're doing pretty well and you're like, dang, like, <laughs> did she start building this when she was in third grade? Um, but our company, it's called Verge. And essentially, from what I understand what they're doing is she she uses uh, machine learning and basically human data to try and battle all of these gnarly um, neurodegenerative diseases. So things like Alzheimer's and ALS and Parkinson's. And essentially, it's kind of what I understand it to be is it's almost like a 23andMe. And it's mapping out what what kinds of genes cause certain diseases. And then she's trying to figure out which drugs can basically target all the genes at once using machine learning to try and wipe out some of these horrible illnesses wow. that, that are pretty, you know, awful. So um, that's not a female problem. That's just an everyone problem, <laughs> but she's a very cool person. Alice Zhang. No, that's, that's awesome. Hey, the last question I ask everybody is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Cause I think entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. I, I think they want to leave some sort of a mark and some of the stories I get are just great. So I just love to hear what do people do to serve others? Well, my latest project that I'm really excited about, it's a, it's a nonprofit based in Irvine and it's called Working Wardrobes. And I know there's different versions of this type of an organization around the country, but I, I think the one that we have here locally is one of the bigger ones. And essentially what they do is they collect gently used business clothes. And they provide those clothes to people that are looking to get back on their feet and get back out into the workforce. And they want to get a job, but they don't have the right outfit and clothes to make them feel confident and comfortable to go into an interview and nail it. And, you know, as speakers, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if I don't have my spray tan, my fancy shoes, you know, my hair done, if I can take the stage and feel good and feel strong and feel like I'm bringing my A game, it really affects the way that you're able to perform. And so when people are trying to improve their lives, get back on their feet, get a job, get back out there, make a difference, um, bring home a paycheck, and they just they don't have the right you know, outfits to, to show up and even get started, um, working wardrobes really fills that hole. So I've been really excited to start volunteering with them and speaking at some of their events. And it's just a really cool mission that solves a very basic challenge that can launch people into feeling good about themselves and getting back on their feet. So it's pretty cool. No, I think that's great. And it's true. I mean, if you think about the working professionals, you know, just there in Orange County, I mean, a lot of people probably have some really stylish clothes that some of these people trying to get established could never afford. And you're right. They're gently worn, so they look like new. And they're able to go in, and, and they feel like a million dollars. And that's going to be a leg up over the person who goes in in a thrift store dress. That's right. And I, mean, I was in their uh, warehouse the other day, and I can't afford some of the clothes that are on the rack. <laughs> you're like, I'm a volunteer, but could I have this? Yeah. No, no you They're can't. like, uh, this is for the people that come here. You, you, you kind of, I'm like, I don't have a job technically. I definitely <laughs> ask, need this outfit. Ask my dad. I don't have yeah, a job. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's a pretty cool cause. Check it out, workingwardrobes.com. So Aaron, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, I have to know more about this Aaron Gargan. I need to get her book. We need to hire her to come speak. How in the world does somebody find you? You can visit my website at Erin Gargan, E-R-I-N-G-A-R-G-A-N dot com. And the name of your book one more time. Digital Persuasion, Sell Smarter in the Modern Marketplace. I think that's awesome. Well, Erin, thank you so much. This was like sitting in a bar having a drink. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And I say this every time to the audience. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So thanks so much for tuning in. The audience is getting a little bigger lately, so do me a favor. Keep telling all your friends because that's the only way a podcast grows. Nobody goes Googling great business podcast anymore. I mean, maybe six years ago they did, but now you'd find like four billion answers. So it's all word of mouth. So I really appreciate that. If you like the show, you can follow us. Follow me on uh, 
on uh, Facebook or Twitter. You can find it at uh, Facebook is Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. On Twitter, it's Cool Podcast. We also have the group coaching program, which is the Potential Mastermind Project. Everything you'd ever want to know about that is at PotentialMastermind.com. And please go over to iTunes if you're an iTunes user and leave a review because that just makes my day better when I see there's a new review. So go do that. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Aaron. I know, hard to believe, but true. (laughs) But in the meantime, I challenge you, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>